High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Those of you feeling angry, from the most quiet kid out there, to the popular girl in school with all the pressure on her. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Flying Brian Rodriguez, and the party's at my house this evening. But first, school is still in session. And I want to thank you for bearing with my illness last week. Probably was a little hard to hear, or at least annoying. But uh, I'm doing better. Not 100%, but I'm still doing better. Starting to feel like myself, I guess. Thanks for all your kind messages. I really appreciate all the support. And I hope you enjoyed last week's episode. McFarlane, USA. Kind of a surprising movie. And I thank Mike Rivera again for coming on and discussing that with me last week. But let's chat about this week's homework. This was your assignment, and I would like to see the results. Just a warning, you're going to hear some Christian Slater accents today. Some, some imitations, if you will. Probably not good ones, but that's for you to judge. Um, and not sure if you were able to snag a copy, or maybe someone at your high school was able to sell you a tape. But, you know, pump up the volume, today's film from 1990, not streaming anywhere, not streaming anywhere I saw at least, not easy to get, so if you know this movie, or if you've seen this movie previously, or you have it by chance, or you ordered it, like I did, on Amazon, got it Prime, they don't sponsor the show, but I was just happy I can get it on time, um, you know, we just really appreciate you watching the movie, and even listening today, because most of the movies are easy to get, this one wasn't. So, once again, today's film is Pump Up the Volume, starring Christian Slater, who plays a pirate radio DJ. And seeing as pirate radio is kind of the predecessor of podcasting, we're going to have fun with this one. The Mikester, Mike Mansley, stopped by to chat all things Pump Up the Volume. He was excited to see this film again. I was excited to see it for the first time, so really can't wait to talk about it. So pack your favorite jammies. Tell your mother you're sleeping over at Flyin' Brian's, because we're about to get our party on. Down to business. I got my Wild Cherry Diet Pepsi. I got my Blackjack Gum here. And I got that feeling, mmm, yeah, that familiar feeling that something rank is going down out there. Leonard Cohen, everybody knows. Everybody knows that the dice are loaded Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed Everybody knows the war is over Everybody 
Everybody knows the good guys lost Everybody knows the fight was fixed The poor stay poor, the rich get rich That's how it goes Everybody knows Everybody knows that the boat is leaking Everybody knows the captain lied Everybody got this broken feeling Like their father or their dog just died Everybody talking to their pockets Everybody wants a box of chocolates And the long stem rolls Everybody knows Yeah, which doesn't disguise his voice no. nearly enough. He gives himself away a lot in this movie, to be honest. Yeah, he's not. I mean, he's a he's a high school kid, it, so I, like I, I can't fault him too much. But compared to what he ends up able to do at the end of this movie, boy should be at MIT. <laughs> like it's sick. Like he should be making his voice sound like a different gender, you know, to really conceal it. I guess because maybe we're in the podcasting world too much that I'm just thinking of like ideas that he could have done for a show. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, this movie is like about the birth of podcasting. Kind the, of, yeah. By the end of it, like pirate radio, man. Like that's all there used to be. This a great pre-internet movie, crazy 90s high school movie. We actually did a movie called Pirate Radio, or aka The Boat That Rocks for Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes, Pizza that's the version I saw. I saw The Boat That Rocks. What title do you like better? I don't know. I don't really like either <laughs> after I saw the movie, but I think The Boat That Rocks works better. Pirate Radio doesn't necessarily feel like it's going to be on a boat to me for some reason. It just feels like, and it feels like more like a sound of, like it'd be about a, something else. I don't know. Well... If everyone who's familiar with the show probably knows this voice, but Mike, why don't you introduce yourself in our classic high school slumber party model? Of course. So, uh, hello everybody. This is Mike Manzi, class of 97, 1997, uh, <laughs> RHS, go Maroons. The Maroons. And you guys oh. haven't figured out what a Maroon is. No one's written like in. Twitter feedback. Did so. you, did, okay, so I actually, I looked it up and it's, it's kind of depressing. Nice. Um, <laughs> So I thought I'd bring it up on the show, maybe? I don't know. What do you Go think? For it. Well, that perfect cue right there. So there's some obvious ones, you know, like they have a brownish crimson color. But this was interesting. So the British maroon is a firework that makes a loud bang used mainly as a signal or a warning. Um, I don't think it was named after that. This is actually a word that doesn't... It's got a medieval Greek origin, which I thought was interesting, that it's from the Middle Ages. Calling someone a maroon is an extension of moron, kind of. (laughs) Like, that is... The rigid morons. No, but I don't know. (laughs) Well, it would be better, I guess, but (laughs) let's see. There's also, there's one more that was, like, pretty crazy, so obviously to leave someone stranded or trapped or on an isolated in a place to maroon them on on an island. And then there is this one uh, at the very bottom. So, a member of any of various communities in parts of the Caribbean who were originally descended from escaped slaves. 
In the 18th century, Jamaican Maroons fought two wars against the British settlers, both of which ended with treaties affirming the independence of the Maroons. Yeah, I mean, it's cool, but I don't think that's what they were named after either. Then what? Then I don't either. <laughs> so that's why I still can't put it together. Is it, it the firework? Be, it must be the color. Like It must be like the reds, you know. They're I suppose. Not like, they're but... not communists. <laughs> Cincinnati communists. That would be hilarious, though. <laughs> they should be. I was just fishing for something more interesting than <laughs> having a color as a mascot you know i'd rather have gritty or something like, yeah i don't know you can make a maroon gritty i suppose yeah it could be just like a creature costume colored maroon that the- runs around the field <laughs> those of you not too familiar with gritty please look it up and get out from under your rock please <laughs> So thanks for coming on, and I gave yeah. you a little bit of a choice. Well, we were originally talking about maybe doing Bumblebee, but it oh, was yeah. like a little ambiguous whether Bumblebee was a high school movie, and well, you made the call. Let's just, you know, we just, we didn't know. <laughs> I, we, we couldn't tell, so I actually ended up seeing it yesterday with my nephew. Not a high school movie. The main character is 18, but it appears to be taking place the year after high school. She works, she has a job at like a hot dog stand, a dog on a stick stand, like gotcha. at the pier and stuff. So there's no school, there's no high school, there's no college, but... I recommend Bumblebee. Yeah, everyone says it's great. Just doesn't fit within this podcast. Nope, unfortunately. And it's, I mean, kind of like a relief that I didn't have to time a Transformers 3 crossover (laughs) with the Bumblebee episode because, oh man, I'm just waiting a while to get to that one. (laughs) Is Shia in Transformers 3? He's in one through three. Okay, that's what yeah. I thought. So, so that's been already an episode on that. Or, yeah, or we was did that it. Not in his movies. Yes, it was. Yeah, so okay, we, we did. Sure. Joey and I did that. You can catch that on all of his movies, the Shia LaBeouf podcast. Because I know, like, all of his movies were just the movies at the time, and I wasn't yeah. sure in the timeline whether that one had already happened or not. Yeah, yeah, we watched that for that. Um, you know, the Transformers movies, like, I think they learned their lesson because Joey and I always said, like, the less. Transformers in it, the better, the more grounded with the human interest kind of thing, the more it works. And that's exactly what they did for this one. Like, uh, it worked really well. But here's a funny thing. I made it about four minutes into the fifth one, the last one Michael Bay did. And I don't know what goes on, but I read online that Shia's character was killed like off screen between movies. What? Yeah, that's what I heard. So he's never coming back or he's Jeez. written out of that continuity, and if they ever do Sam again, I guess they're going to have to recast him. <laughs> how, was, uh, how was John Cena? He was good. He was, he was all right. Holds his own as, you know, th- that type of actor that you know, he played a military guy. There's a John Cena film that you're technically signed up for on this podcast. Oh, Blockers. Blockers, yes. Yeah, Blockers. yeah, that was a surprise. <laughs> was, he's really good in that, because like, I feel like he plays his type in Transformers. You know, he's a you know, very physically active military dude, right? Gotcha. And he looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but he sounds like, with no accent. He's basically Arnold without the <laughs> accent. Like, it's very interesting. That's cool. But in Blockers, like, he definitely, against type, plays like a very neurotic father, so I thought that, I thought that was funny. <laughs> Can't we talk about Blockers? We don't need to talk about Bumblebee, though. You nope. recommend it. Yeah, exactly. Five Bumbles. <laughs> yeah, five bee stings. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we're here to talk about a film called Pump Up the Volume. Oh, yeah. I gave you a list of, like, hey, Mike, this is kind of, you know, things that you've signed up for that I'm interested in doing around this time, and... You selected this one, and I want to know why did you pick 
pump up the volume. By the way, very hard film to find. It yeah. wasn't like streaming almost anywhere. I had to Amazon Prime it like before this and then watch it on a Canadian DVD. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm sorry about that. I didn't know. And to the listeners too, if you're trying to do your homework, um, you know, <laughs> I guess you get a little bit of a pass this year. You get the mic pass uh, for picking a hard to find film. <laughs> well, I wanted, I definitely wanted to save one of them when we got you know, if we could, when we get closer to summer, towards the end of school, what was the other one? Um, oh, one was Can't Hardly Wait. Yeah, that's the one I wanted to save for, like, around graduation, if possible. Fair, makes sense. I gotta remember that. Definitely can't wait to talk about that one. I can't hardly wait to talk about that <laughs> one. I wasn't even thinking of that. <laughs> and then, uh, oh, American Graffiti was the other one. Oh, right, yeah. So that's, that also is more of, like, a summertime movie yeah, one, too. So I thought maybe we'd just hold off on There's not many and... winter high school movies ironically we did one in better off dead already well, but this one actually <laughs> takes place in the middle of high school proper like it's we're in the middle of a semester here Absolutely. And you it's know a very it's, school movie yeah a lot of it takes place at school aside from the other two so that was number 1 while why I wanted to do it sort of whittled it down by the book kind of guy Number two is I just really wanted to watch it again I had not seen this movie in, in quite a while and I, I remember loving it when I was younger. I think I first saw it in middle school, and wow. I, I had to see it again. I had to know how it held up. Well, we'll get your verdict today for sure. It's a movie that I'd heard of, certainly. I'd never seen before. And how could I? It's not anywhere to be found. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't do a lot of money when it came out, but it was fairly like well-received. I know Christian Slater's performance was well-received at the time. Yeah, doing his Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Christian, let's just face it, like Christian Slater, most of his career is just doing a Jack Nicholson impression, and I think even there's footage of Arsenio Hall calling him out on, oh, really? on his talk show. That's great. About it. He's like, that. you're just doing Jack, aren't you? And he's like, what are you talking <laughs> Christian Slater, of course, we'll see him again when we do Heathers, but yeah. this was like a big movie for him. He was 21, though Christian Slater always feels older to me, mm-hmm. because he just, I just, I don't know, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I, I first remember him going back, I remember he was in this movie, The Legend of Billie Jean, Ooh, with Helen Slater, No Relation. Oh, Yeah, they played, they played brother and sister in the movie. That must have been confusing. She ended up going on to play Supergirl, I oh, think, and... Okay. That movie's really interesting. I mean, shout out to contenders. They might want to take a look at that movie. The Legend of Billie Jean is, like, awesome. And then Gleaming the Cube. I mean, for me, as a young skater in the late 80s, early 90s, like, I remember Christian Slater from Gleaming the Cube as just, like, the coolest ever. That's on the docket this year, by the way. Oh, cool, cool. (laughs) We're going to cover that one. It's got two titles also. It's like It does? Yeah, uh a, it's like a Brothers Justice cuz I remember it was on Channel 5 one day under a different title. I'm like, what <laughs> is this about? I was just watching trailers like uh, a month or two ago and I'm like, "Oh, well, let me watch this trailer." Just like it is like skateboarding movie. What the fuck? Cold War shit? Like it's <laughs> like what is going on? Yeah. Oh my god, can't wait to talk about that. I forgot he was in that too. That's going to be really really fun. But we're here pump up the volume. Yes. Um also, maybe not the same kind of DJ, but you certainly have a DJ past. Oh, yeah, I I went to Connecticut School of Broadcast as well to to try and be like an actual mm. like that kind of DJ I too. That. I mean, I think some of those skills are crossing over to the podcast world, you know. But yeah, no, I, that that is true. The whole other side of it. I mean, also when you're DJing, like when you're just like you know a hip hop DJ, something you still have to get on the mic. You yeah. still have to like intro and outro some sometimes or whatever, make announcements and stuff. So, uh, but yeah, that was that was cool to see. 
Will you be able for us today to make fake masturbation noises over the <laughs> air like our uh, our Christian Slater character in this film? If, I mean, <laughs> if they have to be fake, <laughs> sure. I mean, okay. That might just... have been like the least translatable part of the film to today. That whole Mike, thing. Mike, stop. Put your hands back on. I can't help it. Guys, if you haven't seen the movie, you might think we're being very, very, very inappropriate, but... We are. It's topical to the film. <laughs> There's a lot of, like, that stuff I didn't remember, like, not only him simulating masturbating on the air, which is more of just like a fuck you to the FCC. It's like cursing on the air. Yeah. It's just that... I didn't get that but also like <laughs> there's there's one scene where like two kids in a locker room are talking about like a cock ring or something yeah. and one guy's like what is it i don't know a ring with a cock on it i, I want to check that out. Like, there's it, yeah. so, and there's so much of that kind of stuff in here i had forgotten about that really colors this movie <laughs> but i mean like i was saying this was well received when it came out it's 79 percent by the critics on rotten tomatoes 84 percent by the audience which i was kind of surprised like that was something that was well, like after because I looked it up after watching. And I was like, oh, okay. But before we d- dive in, okay. For those of you who haven't seen Pump Up the Volume, I do this every time. Nice. Read the back of the uh, of the. This is a DVD cover, though I'm sure it came out on VHS originally. Oh yeah, I might have had a, a copy. I know I first saw it on VHS. That's for sure. Like I didn't see. I was too young to see it in theaters. So. Gotcha. Yeah. You'll like this back of the DVD cover. Because one of the films that Christian Slater is cited in is a film that you're familiar with again. By day, Mark Hunter, and it says Christian Slater, Wind Talkers, and Broken Arrow. Wind (laughs) Talkers. Whoa, both John Woo movies. What is (laughs) that? Those are the two that they use. I was like, really? Maybe that's when this copy came out. Probably, yeah. yeah. (laughs) That's hilarious. Way to go marketing. Have you done a rewatch of Wind Talkers? No, not yet. But it, and we have to decide if we're going to do the theatrical or extended cut. Because the oh, extended cut, it was an extended. Oh, cut. I think it makes it so much I've, better. I think I've only seen the theatrical. Okay. Well, I don't know actually. I'd have to. <laughs> All right. All right. So, by day, Mark Hunter is a painfully shy new kid in a small Arizona town. But by night, he's Hard Harry, the cynical, uncensored DJ of a pirate radio station. Idolized by his high school classmates, who are unaware of his real identity, Harry becomes a hero with his fiercely funny monologues on sex, love, and rock and roll. But when he exposes the corrupt school principal, she calls in the FCC to shut Harry down. An outrageous rebel with a cause, Slater gives a brilliant performance as a reluctant hero who inspires his classmates to find their own voices of rebellion and individuality. A movie with a message. Pump Up the Volume is a raw and witty celebration of free speech that will make you laugh, make you cheer, and make you think. Wow, I make you eat your cereal with a fork. <laughs> this film, um, I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure either. <laughs> I watched it twice, BTW. Oh, really? Yeah, so I watched it with a friend, and then I had to rewatch it alone. <laughs> because <laughs> we just couldn't really... Yeah, there were we had too many questions. You and I are both too young to be, like, truly in this 80s, 90s transitional era. True, right. Where, like, like people are getting sick of the Reagan thing, mm-hmm. and this eventually evolves into, like, grunge and stuff like that. Yeah, I was thinking, like, this movie's sort of trying to predict where trends are going, and no one could have predicted that techno was coming. <laughs> like, that's all I kept thinking. That, th- 
that's a good way to put it, because I was thinking, like, I was trying to put myself in the mindset there. And not that I, I mean, the music in this is, is interesting, but it's like, I feel like that guy in that time wouldn't necessarily be playing Mm -hmm. those songs. Oh, it's insane how into this white bread Arizona high school is into rap music. (laughs) Did you notice that? And like, not just the Beastie Boys, but there's like, they they play like iced tea in the hallways and some other stuff. And it's just like, everybody knows the words. Yeah, it's kind of strange. And then on top of that, he plays a lot of sort of like thrash metal punk kind of stuff. Right, right. Because so really I don't think a lot of people, I don't think they do know it from, from this one. <laughs> I don't think a lot of people know this movie, really. Right, we, we said Christian Slater is in this. I guess the female lead mm-hmm. is played by someone named Samantha Mathis. Introducing Samantha Mathis. Gotcha. I mean, she had always sort of been a permanent fixture, you know, in the 90s growing up. I probably knew her best from Super Mario Brothers as Princess Daisy. Like the John Leguizamo? Yeah, with oh. Bob Hoskins one. You know, That's cool. Uh, Probably, yeah. You know, I don't know if Real Bad has gotten to that yet, but they really got to get on that, <laughs> that one. That's a fun bad episode, uh, fun bad movie. But I think she's great, and she's worked since this. She's always been working. So, well, she's in Broken Arrow. That's right, Broken Arrow, with, right? I, with Christian Slater, Slater, reteamed with Christian Slater, frequent Slater collaborator, I guess. Slater collaborator. <laughs> That's oh, great. You'll like this fact because you, on previous podcasts that I've listened. Okay. Of yours. All right. I've oh. been intrigued by this story. All uh, right. She was the last girlfriend of River Phoenix. Oh, okay. And, w- and was with him the night at the Viper Room. Oh, man. Okay, so she's probably she probably knows Keanu and everybody. Yeah. Man, that's okay. That's, wow. Wikipedia. Very helpful. Hey. All right. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I thought she did a good job. Um, other yeah. people listed here, Mimi Kennedy plays the mom. And I recognized her from a couple things, but I was like, where do I know her voice? I don't. She is in Midnight in Paris. She is um, the mother of Rachel McAdams. Oh, okay. Like, you know, the like mother, the, the mother-in-law to be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because like cheap is cheap. I was like, wow, your mother-in-law, is <laughs> beautiful. Also, <laughs> also, she plays the mom in the TV version of the Mouse and the Motorcycle. You ever see that? Gosh, what a set of wheels! Keith. Oh no! You're supposed to be in bed. I'm getting ready, Mom. No, now you're. I don't. It's like a book, The Mouse and the Motorcycle. I never heard. I knew Stuart Little. I didn't even knew The Mouse and the Motorcycle. Yeah, it's like a book, and then they made like huh. a very famous TV version. It's really? Like, yeah. I don't know it. I got to get like on that. That would be in your wheelhouse. Really? It sounds like it's a wistful <laughs> thinking kind of thing. Yes. Kinda. Yes. Wow. But I feel like I don't know. mean to be just name dropping other episodes <laughs> on the network, but We're I can't. We're just a you long know, commercial. For really can't help it. It's network. just all connected. I was thinking of doing an episode like that, like. A, a sampling course, like everyone would come. Oh, on that'd be sample. cool. Yeah. Kind of like what we did at the um, the Charlize. What we did at the Cage Club Summit. Yeah. We, we recorded the Charlize clip show. Everyone sort of got on there. <laughs> Let's see who else. Okay, the dad oh. is played by Scott Paulin. Yeah, he looks like the guy from Time Cop. I don't know if it's him, but he looks like the evil guy Van Damme fights in Time Cop, the evil politician. We will be on a podcast together in a movie he's in for one of your new shows. Because mm. he's in Turner and Hooch. Oh, excellent with Hanks. <laughs> yes, Turner and Hooch. Um, Iceland, don't watch Turner and Hooch. By the way, just warning. Oh yeah, you know <laughs> that's a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> he's in Teen Wolf, apparently. Oh yeah, okay. And the right stuff is that's his, that's his biggest role. Teen Wolf's great. I can't wait till you get to Teen yeah, Wolf. Yeah, Teen Wolf's Ooh, gonna be baby. Fun. 
Um, Styles. Oof. <laughs> let's see. Uh, I got two huge. I got two pretty big cast members. All right. Can I? You yeah, mind? Go, go for so it. So the first one is his literature teacher, his writing teacher, his English teacher, who is um, um, Ellen Green, right? Ellen, is it Ellen Green. Green? Yes. So she is Audrey from Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, I see it now. And I was just in love oh. with that movie and her. She's amazing in it, but like her and Rick Moranis and the and yeah. the singing plan and like she's amazing. So it's great to see her. I haven't seen her in a lot of stuff. Yeah, you're a big Little Shop of Horrors guy. That's a great one. And, and who was the other person? Um, so <laughs> the principal, Annie Ross, I see. So She's in one of the greatest movies of all time. First episode of Third Times a Charm, Superman 3. Oh, is she? She plays, I think, Vera or something. She's the sister. She's the evil sister. She's like <laughs> part of the evil little Good call. people that like hire. She hires, um, they hire Richard Pryor to like kill Superman. <laughs> Great. She gets turned into a robot at the end. Super scary stuff. The other people we should mention are Cheryl Pollock. She's the other teenager. Her name is Paige, the one who, like... Oh. She's a familiar Yeah. Face. Apparently she was, like, a model. She looks like that one girl from Goonies. Maybe it's just the red hair. Nah. I thought it was her, but it no, wasn't. No, it, it doesn't wasn't. seem like... No. She's in... Yeah. Paige is a crazy character. Very interesting character. Uh, Ahmet Zappa. Oh, Ahmet Zappa. Yeah. Okay. From the, of course, Zappa family. From the Zappas. Who's he? Yeah. Oh, is he the long-haired dude? I think so. I saw his name in the credits. He's some guy named Jamie. Okay, because I assumed that, but I don't know. Because he ended up becoming. Was he? Was it him that ended up shaving his head and being? Because the, the the Zappa brothers eventually like formed a band or something. Yeah, because there's like Dweezil. There's like a like a. Dweezil might be the one with the hair now. There's a couple other ones like. I, I was watching, sorry, but if we're talking about the Zappas, like, <laughs> I, I've been rewatching the Austin Powers movies, and one of his plans, Dr. Evil refers to one of his plans in the second movie as um, Moon Unit Zappa. You know, that was a Moon Unit, was a oh. Zappa sibling. She's, oh. the avi- she, she's the original <laughs> Valley Girl. Like, oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I never got that joke. I never got that joke until you explained it to me right now. now. <laughs> He's like, Moon Unit Alpha to Moon Unit Zappa. What an obscure joke for like that movie. Yeah. I, I, and I guess you'll talk about it uh, soon on your podcast. Another yeah. promotion. <laughs> and one more person I want to mention um, Seth Green is in this film. Wait. And you'll see. That him. was him? That was him, yeah. He, Wait. Had, he was like a friend. He was like, yeah, he's friends with the punk dude, yeah. right? That yeah, so was that him because I was watching when I when I first watched through it. My friend, she was like, Seth Green, Seth Green, and I was like, it can't be. He's too young. <laughs> That's what and I she's like. Too. No, 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 no. That's gotta be him. I was like, I don't know. And we'll see him again in a movie we mentioned. Can't hardly wait. But he, he's also in uh, oh Airborne, Airborne the Wiley Man. <laughs> Is Wiley Man based off of Pauly Shore? I I wonder. I, it's definitely influence. And, you know, the Wiley man. If you, you can't see, but I'm doing the Wiley hands. Yes, you're doing the Wiley hands. So Seth Green, he could be considered a High School Slumber Party all-star, because we'll see him a lot. Nice. And he's just briefly in this. Get a golden sleeping bag. <laughs> golden That's a good one. Oh, and then the director I wanted to mention, because he's also the writer. His name is Alan Moyle. Mo- Moyle or Moyle? Okay. And he'll famously, for me, the movie that I 
was like, oh, okay, he directed that as Empire Records. Oh, so, yeah, he, I he can see that. Is, is the director of Empire Rex Records. Manning Day. <laughs> Let's see, what else? Uh, he did a film the, called Times Square in 1980 right. and didn't direct a film again this, in 1990. This feels like his passion project. Like, he got everything out that he ever wanted to say. With It feels like <laughs> one of the... It almost feels like an ultimate student film. Like, it's polished and everything. Oh, for sure. Like, it looks great. It flows and stuff. But it's just... Not, it doesn't feel constructed like your typical Hollywood movie. Like, the structure is crazy. It's crazy pants. This movie yeah. just keeps... It's interesting. It keeps cutting to... The kids listening to the radio and stuff. Like, I like it, but it's weird at times. Like, I couldn't, couldn't really, I don't know, follow it entirely at, at all times. Yeah, yeah. That's why I was surprised when I saw the audience score so high. Um, but maybe it just doesn't have a big audience. <laughs> <laughs> now, this film, um, the uh, director described Hard Harry slash Mark, well, more the Hard Harry persona, as... Um, what's the lead guy in Catcher in the Rye? I'm blanking. Oh, Holden Caulfield? Yeah, Holden Caulfield mixed with Lenny Bruce. That was, like, what he wanted him to hmm. be like. Certainly you get, like, the Lenny Bruce thing, because he, like, even tries to go to the library and, like... No, yeah, he returns the Lenny Bruce yeah, book. Yeah, he, he returns a Lenny and, Bruce book. And so. has to pay at his own school to return a book. <laughs> Overdue book. I get the Lenny Bruce stuff. Um, so is the Holden Caulfield, like, his Clark Kent persona, where he's, like, the... Maybe. The sort of... Maybe. nebbish, bookish kind of dude who's the yeah, loner uh, who sits alone and doesn't have any the friends. the wanted to portray, I guess. Okay. It he, felt to me like this is the director. <laughs> yeah, probably. So it seemed like that movie, Times Square, which I've never seen, he directed and wrote it, but it seemed like it was one of these projects where the studio cut it in a way that he didn't want it to be cut. Okay. And he took like 10 years off. So mm. like this is his anger, angry project coming back. Okay. Yeah. There's a <laughs> lot of anger in this movie. It's a very it's, angry it's, film. I would say it's angsty. <laughs> yeah, um, angsty teen. <laughs> yeah, extremely. And, like, this was the kind of thing that... I don't want to say it, like, gave teenagers a bad name because there, there's always going to be something that, the you know, adults are going to do to give teenagers whatever. But, like, I feel like... In the 90s, teenagers, no matter what, first and foremost, were perceived as depressed and lonely and, and like, not happy and all that stuff. And, like, that is really expressed in this movie. Like, every student in this movie ends up realizing they aren't happy and, like, don't know who they are and they're being kept down. And And literally every student. Like, everybody, (laughs) every single, like, that's what's so Ends up being so from like bonkers. the nerds to the popular kids to like the rebels. Yeah, like, and like don't get me wrong, like teenagers are angsty and depressed and everything like that, but they're also like extremely happy and have and like like to have a lot of fun. And I don't know, like I, <laughs> this just felt like like a manifesto at times. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> you know? absolutely. And, and that's always a little off-putting. Yeah, I mean that's a good way to put it. it it's like such a manifesto. Um, one more note before we dive in. And when I say dive in, mm-hmm. I think it's very impossible to do this film scene by scene. You know, sometimes it's like fun to talk that way, mm-hmm. but this is like... There's few complete scenes. Yeah. That's what I was trying to sort of <laughs> talk about earlier in the way that it's structured. It just sort of like weaves in and out and stuff and like complete scenes, not a lot of them. So Mike, are you ready for some 90s gossip? 
Absolutely. Or, well, yeah, 1990 gossip. Yeah, because I hate modern gossip. It's just, <laughs> it sucks. Well, the biggest change to the script, well, from script to screen, was that Christian Slater originally was supposed to be driving a lot in the film. Oh, But okay. he got a DUI, and it was his second DUI, and he was only 21 at the time. Whoa. And Christian Slater has talked about his struggles his whole life with... Uh, substance abuse or alcohol Mm -hmm. and he says this is a quote from him acting is my passion staying sober is my job wow this is something that really like i'm not like trying to pick on no no but because of the dui he couldn't drive during production so that's why they wrote wrote in like the girl driving the like jeep wrangler at the end and they changed a lot of stuff where he mentions oh i don't even have a car you know yeah (laughs) he rides a bike or something that's interesting i mean you know i think it works because it works too actually to me that is the least believable part of this whole movie like i <laughs> i believe that a pirate radio personality will cause a revolt at a high school but i can't believe that he's going to be able to makeshift like a traveling transistor <laughs> sort of like satellite on the back of his mom's jeep like i couldn't i love it he accomplishes that. it like in maybe like an hour and now maybe i gave him one to three hours <laughs> probably throw and, that and thing if, together. And he does it through, like, soldering. It's not even, like, coding. Oh, and, and she's like, how'd you do this? And he goes, hey, Radio Shack. voice. <laughs> <laughs> it's so... Christian Slater is an interesting, like, actor. And like you said, like, he's a very, like, imitatable voice, I think, because he's... Because, as you said, he's probably imitating. <laughs> yeah, like, he is a... He is almost like a character. Like, I love his... I like a lot of his movies, you know, like, True Romance, amazing, and, like, great oh, yeah, performance. And, like, this, this is, like, a one-man show. You know, like, this is all him. Like, this could be a play or something. Absolutely. You know, like, it's that kind of way. Like, you could just have him on stage for an hour and 15 and cut all the other stuff out. But just, like, his stuff. Um, and I think he pulls it off. But he is definitely sort of, like, in one mode. You know what I mean? Like, not just in this movie, but, like, in his career. At least in his early career. just feels like, oh, you hire him because he does that one thing that he does. Yeah. Which is fine, because he does it extremely well yeah like i'm not dissing him when i'm like stop dissing him man stop dissing my boy (laughs) we're talking hard here that's oh talking hard yes are there any uh particular scenes you want to talk about or beats or elements oh man well i don't know like (laughs) just this whole this whole sort of concept that this kid has a radio set up in his basement and like all the kids at the school are listening in it. I don't know. I just find it so weird in so <laughs> in so many ways. Um, don't you wish you could uh, forcibly make people listen to Third Times a Charm through, like, you know, like it's one of the only radio stations in town? Well, that's what really struck me too watching it is that there's no internet, right? So like piracy on the radio was probably a real thing, you know, and there were probably people like this doing stuff. And according to the FCC, it gave them something to do to crack down on things like this. It gave them a reason (laughs) uh, to be and stuff. But it's just so, like, not a part of life anymore. Like, it's really like watching a time capsule at times. And I think it's cool. Like, I think that's cool about it and everything. But it also, I mean, even though I was alive then, it's looking at it now some of it's a little hard to like kind of relate to still absolutely especially again we're part of it like the podcast boom and stuff mm-hmm. there are probably a million hard harrys theoretically i hope not that like sexually well this is like howard stern 
right? Yeah. And that's what I also thought of. He would come along, and then the ONA guys would come along, and then, like, Shock Jockery would really... Like, it was in the 80s. It was there, but it would really find a Absolutely. home in the 90s. But now, like, I, it's kind of weird and a little uncomfortable, like, his sexually charged like he's a teenage kid like yeah sexually charging like the girls are listening like oh this is great you know like <laughs> that, that, that's what's maybe that's what it is maybe it's just the content you know in the era that we live in now like a lot of it just seems like i don't know not creepy but pr- it's definitely perverted you know what i'm saying like his persona on air is that of a oversexed pervert potty mouth yeah. know-it-all and, kind of the, thing the person who was like that would also not be like the prophet, if that makes sense. Yes, yeah. right. Like, why? That's the other thing. Like, because he's also like a total idiot too. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like what he's saying. Like it sounds like he's making sense because he's talking with confidence and using big words and tackling important issues. But ultimately, like I didn't feel like he had much of a message aside from don't be afraid to be yourself, which is a great message. Yeah. But, like, it's also talking about there's nothing you could really do about, like, the man right now because you're in high school, so you just have to wait. Or you could grab all your trophies, put them in the microwave, and blow up your kitchen. That's the like, one thing. Like, what is he... Yeah. Like, he really doesn't know exactly what he's about. It's weird. <laughs> I didn't know what I was about in high school, you know? I get that, but it's also but, weird that he's... He's you, like leading an army. That's true. That's true. Like, did you have power over the entire student body? Like, that's what's insane. Is like he ends up going to school, and every day there's more graffiti on the wall. There's there's more bootleg tapes being circulated. More students are being expelled. Which we got to get into that whole subplot yeah, about the like he's like making a difference for the better, but he's also making things a lot worse, too. (laughs) There's... Holy shit. There's a part where... And my favorite movie... uh, Now, like... Like, on-air announcer, what was he? He was, like, the newscaster? uh, Shepard? Who who fucking sucks as a news reporter. But, like, there's one moment where they're all listening in, and they cut to Shep, and he just goes, he's actually making it worse. And I'm like, he is making it worse. Like, he's turning... He has a moment where he could say, like, you know, don't revolt, but then he ends up saying, you know what? Fuck it. Like, just go for it. Like, just do it. And I noticed this by watching a lot of high school films. High school can be really shitty. But I see it more as, like, in the Breakfast Club way and not, like, in the weird, perverted Breakfast Club John Hughes mind of, like, you know, uh, Molly Ringwald's, like, panties. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, I'm not, like, praise... I don't want to overpraise John Hughes right now. But in terms of, like, not knowing who you are and discovering yourself mm-hmm. and being worried about who you're going to be, yeah. like, those are the real vulnerabilities of high school. Right. Like, this, at times, I saw that. Especially, like, with, again, the, the character, the girl who was, like, too afraid to go to Princeton or whatever. Like, there was a lot of pressure. I get that. The, the one who does the microwave. Yeah. But, like, she didn't need to do that. Right. You know like, but at the other times, it seems like it was more, like, adult. Yeah. Not, it, not, I don't want to say adult issues, but it's, like, more... It's a very, This is a very politically active town, I guess yes. you could say. Yeah. Would you say it's, like, a high school movie for adults? Like, to try and understand what the kids of the day are trying to go through, maybe? Because it is, like... does get into a lot yeah, of boring you know, shit but... about, like, town politics and... Things like that. Like Absolutely. there is a level like of it to this. Something I think is so positive while watching this now that we bring it up, and this is topical today. I feel like not necessarily kids now. You know, I don't think they're as engaged as this movie would would imply that mm-hmm. high school kids are. But people now think some people now think they invented like the counterculture. 
Okay. You know, like, uh, obviously there's a big political movement in this country now, and it's like a lot of younger people think they're like the first generation to be rebellious, Poli- but mm-hmm. this is, you know, this, these aren't new ideas that keep happening. Right. Recently I was at a performance and someone was reciting that uh, last speech that Charlie Chaplin gives in that um, dictator movie that Oh, has. yeah, The Great Dictator? Yeah, The Great Dictator. Mm-hmm. And it's so topical to today, but I think it's just so yeah. topical to most times because people with power are always going to... Yeah, it's timeless. Like be- Unfortunately, that's like, yeah, the timeless struggle. Yeah. It's just weird being done by kids in this film. Yes. Or that's... one kid specifically. I mean, do they even ever mention anything like dictatorships in this movie or stuff? They He's don't kind of mentioning really... like, you know, they get into, like, the a... government. And look, the FCC is the federal government. That's crazy too that the FCC rolls into town in the third act of this movie. Um, and that it was like the threat became real and there's like a genuine chance that <laughs> yeah. he could go to you know, prison for what he's done and stuff, which is he probably won't because he's just a stupid kid and I don't even know if he's 18 yet. But yeah, does it really uh, say if he's a senior or not? I don't think so. No, I don't think we we find out what grade he's in. No, to be honest. Just a couple things. So, so like All basically, right. the structure of his show is the one guy says it could be five minutes, it could be five hours. <laughs> it seems to come on at not a random time, but I think it's like around ten. Yeah. 10 p.m., the best receptions on the high school field, <laughs> so all the kids just park their damn cars on the field. They should have squashed it at that point, you know, like the really? administration. I know, because by the end of the movie, it's like a party. It's like a full-on, like, concert. Party slash almost, almost like a riot. Yeah, well, yeah, it almost turns into a riot. You're right. But this, this school, like, gets volatile. Like, it, Absolutely. pressure keeps building and building. So the format of the show is he'll play music, he'll almost often pretend to masturbate. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, uh, one time he says it's the fifth time he's done it on the show that day. Right, yeah. He can't go an hour or something (laughs) like that. Yeah, he's like, his character, the Hard Harry, is a self-admitted sex maniac. Mm -hmm. He, of course, in school is kind of like a a shy, nerdy kid. But it seems like he wasn't like that in New York. Because he moved, sorry, his family moved from New York to... Yeah, to and and his dad buys him all of the gear to talk to his friends back home. So his dad knows that he's got all this gear that, in the yeah, basement. Yeah, the fact <laughs> that the dad's like, oh, it could be him, but you know what? He's not using his all but, this high-tech radio gear for that. He is a definite superhero in the sense that he is Clark Kent, you know, at school, Absolutely. where he's this very quiet shy guy with glasses on and then <laughs> at home he is just like unhinged at oftentimes shirtless you know many times chewing blackjack gum <laughs> and drinking his pepsis but yeah diet pepsi i think which is yeah but he, i think he tells them he's drinking something else oh yeah, yeah yeah and then at one time his dad asks if he's grabbing a beer out of the fridge and it's clearly a Pepsi free and he goes yeah it's a beer so weird Pepsi free we'll hear that in another high school film when a Pepsi pal you gotta pay for it (laughs) oh the other thing I want to mention with the show is in the format is that he reads letters from his fans and if they leave him their phone number he'll call them back and guarantees that he'll do it right one of the fans ends up being that girl Nora who's like in love with oh the the Eat me, beat me, girl. Eat me, beat me, yeah. Right? Who sends erotic messages on red paper. Yes. So you know it's her every time. 
And she ends up being the one who discovers... She's the first person who discovers who Hard Harry is. So I just put <laughs> together relatively easy clues. Super. By, just, <laughs> just by listening one night, she's basically able to figure out who this kid is. Because Nora, right? That's yeah. who she is. She's great. She looks kind of like Daria's friend in the I was cartoon Daria. That. Right? That's I was pretty going, great. I, I meant to say it earlier, and then we got and, sidetracked. But she looks just like Daria's friend. And Hard Harry is like... You know, granted, he's trying to console this one kid who sent in a letter. He's like, I'm going to kill myself. Yeah, and I that's the other. That. We'll get there. But, like, literally on the show, he's like, you know, like at school and stuff. The same, And you're like, okay, so he goes to school. He's a teenager. Yeah. Uh, he says where he eats lunch. He's like, I eat lunch alone on the steps. And so, like, <laughs> the next day, literally the next fucking seed, she's like, Hey, hard Harry, what's up? I'm Nora, and he's like, I, I don't know what you're talking about, and and, and he's, like, he's surprised. like, he's like sitting on the fucking steps eating his lunch and reading. A, I'm like, dude, she follows him to the PO box, and he reads the red letter, and then she's like, that's me, you know, and starts reciting the letter. So he's like totally busted, but like, dude, like wants to get caught. It seemed like too that he was like more into the other girl for a little bit. Like he sees like you see him staring. Oh, at her. that was the most. That felt like the most real moment I've ever seen in, a, in almost a movie ever. <laughs> Just like this awkward teenage boy walks up to an awkward teenage girl and tries to say hello, and you know they clearly yeah. don't really have a class or know each other. Or any, but he's trying so hard to reach out and make an effort and she's just like not used to being approached by random people (laughs) because she's in a circle of close friends like i love that moment yeah no and and overall i think the performances in this film are good it's just like a would you say it's got no attention span like it's made for the mtv generation kind of movie oh absolutely it, it almost feels like a shorter episode of 120 minutes like that, that show that used to be like yeah. alternative music on mtv for, <laughs> for two hours oh absolutely and it's like i i think you you had a really good point when you said it almost tried to predict what the kids of tomorrow mm-hmm. were going to do it's like a very near future movie if that makes sense like mm-hmm. <laughs> the future of next year <laughs> <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm from the yeah the future of next Tuesday or something. <laughs> okay. So, and you alluded to this too. The big scandal that's going on is Hard Harry's father. Mm-hmm. They move there because he's like the school commissioner or something. Some, yeah. Something like he, that. He's got a. He's he, he's he, like, like a, yeah. He's a, like in charge of education. Yeah, in for the, the area. I think like all of like if not all of Phoenix, which is like Phoenix area schools. Yeah. And Christian Slater goes to the Hard Harry or whatever, goes to the best school, apparently. The one apparently with the... the only school that I <laughs> Well, tell. it wasn't shot in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. It yeah, was... it looks like it was shot in a California school. Yeah, it was shot in California, which most of them are. It looks like a very isolated part of anywhere. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just like, um, it's it reminds me of like E.T. or the new Twin Peaks where Dougie Jones lived. Like, it's just a development. Yeah. It's, it's just a suburban development but like one of the you know still in development you know still being built kind of thing but like Absolutely. yeah that's that's all you really see as far as like a town and then you see like a strip mall and hubert h humphrey high school yeah which is also right like the initials hard hat harry yeah that's the other thing right he's got hard hat harry yeah, yeah. Hard hat harry. <laughs> very clever oh so the big scandal is the principal there essentially has like a scam to get the sat scores up yeah and she expels Bad students, so that, like, they don't do bad on their SATs, so their SAT scores are higher. 
but she's also keeping them on the register so they get government funding for the student while they're not enrolled anymore, right? Like, she's also yeah. got some kind of money scam going on. But she's not pocketing the money. No, she's but like it's still school. illegal. No, yeah, it's yeah, very illegal. I hear what you're saying. The school she's, is she's, getting more money. She's feeding it back into the school, but it was so weird to me. Like, what? I was like, what is she doing? Like, why is she so pissed? Why do they keep calling these students to the office? <laughs> they sort of lace in that one girl was pregnant. Right, she got yeah. pregnant, and then she got expelled just for being pregnant. I don't know if you could do that. Like, no, there were no, my, no. My, a lot of stuff. Was there was a legal. friend of mine in high school who got pregnant. And her daughter was at graduation, so like, she didn't get expelled. This principal is on the warpath. Like, <laughs> she is a threat, and it's funny that Harry ends up taking her down, or like, ends up being. You know, does actually accomplish something good? Like, that was a shock to me. I don't remember that happening the yeah. first time around. I think originally he's doing it out of more, like, entertainment because he's yeah. he's getting letters. Like, his dad's a school commissioner. He's getting letters from his dad uh, about things. He ends up calling that guidance counselor. It almost seems like he's doing it to to get back at his dad or something or get yeah, attention for even being or there, something. Oh, the, one of the original monologues is how shitty the town is. Like... That he said, you know, it's like, oh, it's this boring suburban blah, blah, blah. Even the mom's like, what did we move here? <laughs> yeah. And then they get into a shouting match about the, it's like the same conversation, but they're just shouting. And the second time, <laughs> I thought it was kind of interesting. It's like, oh, they're just yelling about how Mark uh, isn't dating and the dad thinks he should find a nice girl. And, you know, Mark doesn't have a job and like Mark doesn't have friends and Mark this and Mark... It's like, dude, give your son some space. <laughs> Is Christian Slater from New York? I don't know. I always thought he was from California. Yeah, but I'm and not he's sure. like a California guy, but like... In oh, you're saying because his character... In certain scenes, he has like a thick New York accent that his parents don't even have. There's like one or two scenes that he's really? like yelling. Yeah. I did where he's not like, pick up on that. Okay, like, hey. it's obvious. Yeah. yeah, kind of, yeah. Really? He's like, I don't know why we moved here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I gotta have to, I'm gonna have to watch this again. It's not crazy, but it, it, like, I, it's, it's noticeable. Okay. And, I, I mean, I wish he was putting on another character <laughs> <laughs> instead of the same one he's done over. No, I guess this also came out close to Heather's or the time I saw Heather's. So maybe Heather's is like a year or two he, before this. It's yeah. It seems very close to like a. Not that they're the same character, but you could tell that's also Christian Slater, you know, yeah. in Heather's. And you, 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 that's a, I just feel like he doesn't disappear into Mark or any of that kind of thing. <laughs> no, no, of course not. I just laugh because you're right. Like Christian Slater's Christian Slater. Yeah, it's yeah. not an offense. Right. No. When I, you need a Christian Slater, that's a that's a certain type of actor too. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's you can argue some of the best actors are like that. You know, high profile character actors like that. Let's peel back the curtain, if you will, on the production <laughs> of podcasts or our okay. podcasts and stuff. All right. Because I, I guess I have an opinion question. With somebody else on the network, I've had discussions about this. And I guess I'll, I'll ask, like, where do you land on this with your own um, formula on Third Time to Charm or, or whatever you do? Because I feel like our shows are very similar because they're both one-man shows. Mm-hmm. Not the whole time, you know what yes. I mean? Yes, yeah. So he creates Christian Slater, Mark creates this character of Hard Harry, right. who's obviously not him, but he's certainly a manifestation of his personality. It's like his, it's his ego. Yeah, and yeah. his is 
turned up to 11. You it's know, super it's not, ego. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes, you could say. It's, it's like, out of, yeah, it's, he's a out very of Freudian It's the devil on his shoulder, ultimately, <laughs> I feel. Where do you feel like you're 100% you on your podcast? Does it ever slip into character? Because I'll go first uh-huh. if it's like okay. a weird question. No, no. I've been kind of waiting to address this ever <laughs> since we started podcasting, but it's never come up. This is a great episode for it to come up because, it's, again, it's something I've recently been talking about, and it's something that, like, I, mm-hmm. it's great for this movie to talk about. Yeah. So, certainly for my openings and closings of the episode, that, Brian... Guys, again, I'm peeling back the curtain. Sorry to ruin it. Of course, It's certainly more of a character. I'm not really a teacher, spoiler alert, you know? (laughs) And it would be creepy if I was a teacher inviting you to my house for a slumber party. (laughs) Yeah. So I I get that. Uh (laughs) And especially, you know, in my specials and the Christmas episodes, I've, I've raised the volume up. Oh, yes. you do skits? <laughs> skits and stuff, yes. But it is a version of myself. I'm not going to yeah. completely divorce. Right. I'm not like playing a guy named Bob who's like, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. an insurance salesman who happens yes. to run the podcast. <laughs> I don't know why I thought about that. But I feel like when I'm talking to someone here in the meat of the episode, uh-huh. I'm more my real self. Because I'm not going to be like, yeah. I hate this movie when I really like it to no. play it up. yeah. But yeah. anytime the microphone's on, this is the thing about reality TV show too. Anytime the microphone's on, or anytime a camera's on, mm-hmm. you're gonna be like, even if it's one percent or a right. half percent, you're gonna be a little bit different. Right. Yeah. So I agree. I mean, you know me and our personal lives and stuff. Like we hang out and stuff. Like I'm pretty close to who I am yeah, on the so. air. You know, like I didn't set out to create a character and be, <laughs> you know, like a hard hat, hairy kind of guy to like, you know, or like the. You know, Joey's the straight man and I'm, you know, the goofball or anything like that. Like, we really didn't go into it like that. But I have to say, like, since getting my own show and I think since doing the Cage Club for so long now, almost like four years, I think we're coming up on like four years. Like, there have been times where I have tried to sort of be more of like a character version of myself. Like, try to sort of bring out different aspects of myself that I don't really get a chance to all the time. And, you know, I think it never colors what I like or don't like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'll always, like, all my opinions are the same and stuff, but, like, you know, when I put on, like, all the impressions or do things like that, like, it's definitely a different level of my personality. It's not entirely, you know, who I am in my real life. Like, it's it's amplified, for sure. And and I would say on my show, Third Times a Charm, is, like, I even try and go even further on that show because it's all me, you know, like... Absolutely, that's what I was going to say. I feel like once you host a show alone... Yeah. You kind of build your friends in your head who are your subjects. <laughs> it sounds crazy, but it's no, like... it does because so like all the sh- <laughs> like all the shows I do with Joey, you know, like Cage Club, Keanu Club, Watch the Throne, and now like the Tom Tom Clubs and stuff. Like I'd say that's basically like who I am when I hang out with Joey and stuff like that. The Cinemaker stuff, like we all I think try and not joke as much on that and try and make it more like academic. I guess yeah. is what I'm trying to say. Cinemaker you know, so like it does try to, have a very academic feel. Right. So I try to assume a role then is I think what I'm trying to get at, right? And then with my own show, like it's getting way more like pushing it. How far can I push my personality? Like can I turn Absolutely. myself into a character? Like that's almost what I'm trying to do with Third Times a Charm is like this other version of myself that like you know like doesn't maybe a caricature even at times yeah that's a good way to put a caricature absolutely like my intro and exits are very much caricature Mm -hmm. 
of what I'm doing. But like your show's third time's a charm. My show's high school slumber party. There's somewhat absurd, somewhat <laughs> like, like like things to several, do. Yeah, there's several times where like a guest will be like, "Mike, what is this show? Like, what are we doing here?" And I don't know either. That that is part of it. Like just that side of it is that like they're inherently sort of just these fun projects you know like we're not yeah. trying to get ultra serious like we're not trying to change the world shows or anything they exist in the like side pocket of the cage club universe i think <laughs> you know but uh be- well just because we do have i feel like these shows like contenders and such that like do get real like much more real than my show ever gets you yeah know? like like if i was a guest on cinemakers or contenders or the shows you're talking about i i wouldn't come in with like come in heavy on the high school slumber party mm-hmm. personality, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and I want to be clear, like, we're not saying that we're not, like, genuine or we're, like, lying, you know? No, no. It's like you said, it's just amplified different parts of our personalities. Yeah, and, and again, like, I think I I almost think, like, oh, I wish I kind of did come up with, like, a pseudonym early on and stuff, because it's kind of cool how, like, Chris goes by Chris Podcasts and stuff, and, like, if I had early on just gone by like something oh, I wish I did that too. you know so like if you listen to my show a lot like uh, in my intros i drop my name a lot like so i'll like for the star wars episode of like hey i'm darth mike or you know for the yeah. vacation episodes like i'm mike griswold so like i will try and sort of switch it up like that so yeah i mean it's just way looser there and because i'm in total control i can just do whatever the hell i want it just tends to get more out of control so the person i was talking about this with was kyle host of foodie films and oh, yeah. my co-host on ps i love hoffman and ps i still love hoffman wow yep. what a promo show we're having. listened by the way and watched to the boogie nights episode it was really cool awesome. i think you guys thank did you. a great job at that first episode thank you you know but and that's literally going to be us because we're on the couch just talking and watching a film well that's like joey and i doing the revisit absolutely like, well yeah you, obviously you can't our inspiration yeah like we <laughs> <laughs> There's no way we could fake just hanging out and watching movies together. So, <laughs> you know. yeah. And Kyle does a lot of fun stuff on his show. Yeah, like he is one of the most fun shows, certainly on the network. Mm-hmm. But like just in general, that is who he is. And Kyle, I believe, is just very secure. And he'll he'll mm-hmm. say, "No, no, I'm not." But he's very secure in who he is. Yes, that like that is a hundred percent Kyle. I'm yes. not saying that. If if any of you people don't know me and you meet me, that I'm going to be a completely different person, like a like a dark brooding asshole in the corner. Like no, that, that, no, that's not me. But the Kyle you listen to is almost a hundred percent the Kyle you meet in You'll real meet. life. I will agree with that. Like, see, that's the thing when I listen to your intros and your show and stuff, and it's like, oh, that's cool because like that's sort of a side of Brian I don't get to see often. Like when we hang out, because I'm not a voyeur looking in on Brian's life while he's by himself. <laughs> that kind, of, you know, it's, we're just also we're different when we're alone. Absolutely, and we're the, different with different groups of people. Yeah, and we're talking to the void, the eth- you know, out there <laughs> into the ether, like you know. So like, I do recognize you on your show, but like Kyle is. Like, yeah, that's definitely... And there's something admirable on that, too, you know, for sure. That's the thing is, like, I don't know if it's confidence or what, but I don't trust myself to be as interesting as that, like, all the time either, you know? Like, I'm just not that high energy as Kyle all the time and going out and doing as much as him, too. So I can't bring that energy to my show all the time either. And that's why, just to bring it back to the... We're not... We didn't do this to, like, be self-indulgent, guys. We're just... No, because... Just bring it back to the hard, hairy character. Yeah. His alter ego. 
That's why to some people, despite all the clues he gives, it's kind of unbelievable that he's hard Harry. Mm-hmm. Well, I think even when she figures it out, because he returns the Lenny Bruce book, or she circles his face in like the yearbook, but then yeah, immediately like, like crosses, yeah, crosses it out. Like, no, it can't be. Hi. You're in my writing class, right? Right. Yeah, I like Emerson. She's pretty funky. Now you're in trouble. You owe 25 cents. How to talk dirty and influence people by Lenny Bruce. Who's he? Any good? He's all right. Talk a lot? Not too much, no. No way. But then when she, like, catches him or whatever, she kind of can't believe it's him either because the rest of the movie, he, like, has trouble talking to her. Like, he yeah. can't talk to people in person, which ends up being, like, the second half of the movie, right? <laughs> it's like, he gets on the air and he's like, man, you ever realize how hard it is to talk? <laughs> and I'm, my mind is starting to go because, like, that's... That's crazy for this guy to, like, all he does is talk, 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 to not be able to, like, say hello to a person in person. Like, must be very painful for someone. And, like, it never occurred to me before until this viewing. Yeah. I also found it interesting, like, and I think I mentioned it before, I'm not sure that was the same problem in New York, because his parents allude to him having girlfriends and friends. He moved to a new place, and I guess he kind of clammed up a little bit. Look, like, his school seems aside from the crazy principal the people at the school like the kids seem kind of cool like like everybody's mixing there's you know what i'm yeah, saying yeah no like, there's not like doesn't seem the, there's too much bullying the jocks like and that. the nerds seem to be getting along there's that like, like there's that one kid who you know he's kind of chubby like he uh he like is a tape trader like yeah. he records it and he's he sells it and, yeah and he's got like a nice little like economy set up there i thought that yeah. was like a cool like i don't want to say underbelly of the school cuz he's not like a sinister character but well that kind of leads into if we can take a road here um the idea of the the bootleg tape that would circulate around school or something so like there were one or two before jerky boys there were like crank Ooh. call tapes that would go around i remember my middle school really that's and things. Cool. so like i connected with that idea of it and then obviously like later on as a dj just like handing out mixtapes and things and bootlegs and all that kind of stuff but yeah this school like i mean they all come together and <laughs> right like they band together like every click at the end is like we're going to rise hey, up together. He unites them. For he like, unites and them. Like a, an, essentially an army. <laughs> um, you mentioned that bootleg thing, though, and I find that interesting because like, by the time I was in high school, that was definitely not a thing. I'm trying to figure out why, and it's obvious. The internet. The net. Yep. You know, spe- yeah. the high-speed internet, especially. Like, like YouTube got big maybe my senior year. So it wasn't yeah. like the full I remember like 05 YouTube kind of started to explode. Yeah, and that's when I graduated in 05, yeah, so yeah. it was like it was like my senior year, but before that it was like look at this funny website. Right. Like, like I was this. just so like I was watching Goldmember for my podcast that I'm preparing for and Austin Powers sits down to show Beyonce 
you know, she's from the 70s and it's 2002. And he's like, this is the internet. And she's like, well, what's it all about? And he shows her, he's like, basically to sum it all up, here's a video of a monkey smelling his finger that he just stuck up his butt and he, <laughs> fall, and he like falls off a tree branch. And I'm like, yeah, that pretty much sums up the internet <laughs> back then. Like it was just stupid videos. <laughs> it still true. is. It still is. But I mean. The first, and it's music related, the first like, I don't want to say viral, but first like thing like that's similar to a mixtape for me was like getting Napster. Yeah, Napster like, for uh, sure. Yeah, like, oh, you have to get this program. It's called Napster. Like, <laughs> you get songs? Yeah, it only takes you like half an hour, an hour <laughs> to get one song and it's free. It's awesome. Like, Whoa, that's awesome. <laughs> the younger folks out there listening, and I don't know how many of you are, but like that... Just a mind-boggling concept that you had to wait almost an hour to get a song, and that was cool. That was a good thing. There's a great Napster documentary by Alex Winter. Uh, oh, really? Bill from Bill and Ted. Yeah, that, I didn't know I, that. I, did like a, I think I did a micro-review during one of our Keanu episodes at one point or something, but if anybody is ever confused as to what Napster was really about and how it, what it did, check that documentary out. It's pretty crazy because like Napster didn't do anything except connect users. There was no music on that site. <laughs> All the music was on your computer to begin with. That's so crazy. And you would just share it from computer to computer so and all yeah. the all the site did was connect users to users and Lars Ulrich comes out and he's like fucking Napster stealing <laughs> our music and it just I took a class in Napster during business uh, music business class at Ramapo it was crazy that was my first stint at Ramapo but you want another cool Napster tie-in to the network sure and this film yes uh, Seth Green allegedly his character invented Napster in the film The Italian Job, the remake, oh, that's which you right. guys covered on Watch the Throne. That's right. <laughs> he was the Napster. That's right. And he insisted you called him Napster, and the dude just, like snuck into his dorm room and just stole the disc. <laughs> and but, I think it literally is the Napster guy. Like, yeah, the he, one of them, one of the two. Not the one Justin Timberlake, yeah, not but the, Timberlake the other kid one, who actually created the algorithm or whatever. But, yeah. <laughs> and it, it's headcanon, and we believe it's true, but we're trying to track down again that... Italian Job 2 was going to be called The Brazilian Job. Yeah, that's the rumor. Yeah. And then it got turned into Fast and Furious is that 5. True? Or is that like a scene? Well, we found that trivia when we covered The Italian Job for Watch the Throne. That makes a know. lot of sense. Yeah. That make, wow, that makes a lot of And they do that all the time. Yeah, retro, like, yeah, like retrofit but, movies for certain things. What or was one I was looking at recently? Die Hard 3 is a big one. Which was just a spec script called Simon Says. Yeah, Die Hard 3. Even Die Hard 2. But Die Hard 2 also. What? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Maybe. It was I think it was, called, it was like, a book that wasn't the a John McClane book. And they said, let's just make it a John McClane adventure. Because Die Hard is adapted from the second John McClane novel. There was one before called the... De I don't remember the name of the actual book that Die Hard comes from, but the movie before it, they actually made a movie out of the novel before it called The Detective. And they made it like in the 50s or 60s starring Frank Sinatra. And so... Oh, really? There's a Frank Sinatra in the Die Hard series? <laughs> yeah, he doesn't... I don't think he goes by John McClane in that, in that movie, but it's the same character essentially. And when they were doing Die Hard, they were contractually obligated to offer the role to Sinatra... And Sinatra... Really? I didn't know that. He declined, wow. but he was as old as, like, Bruce Willis is, like, now or something like that at the time they were making Die Hard. So if you could imagine, like, Bruce Willis is that old. Wow. <laughs> and, and he's out there still making movies, but... Yeah, I guess, but I can't see Sinatra, like... 
hanging from a skyscraper. <laughs> Yippee Kaye. Yeah. Like singing it. Like dooby doo. Yeah, no, I, I don't know about that one. <laughs> Somewhat topical. Are you a watcher or have you seen Mr. Robot? No, but I've been told to watch that. Everyone tells me the same thing, too. I, yeah. I don't watch it either, but Christian, Christian Slater's, Slater's in, in it. Yeah. So I wonder, like, it seems like it might have a similar vibe. I mean, like, it's also a very sort of conspiracy yeah. show, from what I understand, and this definitely has that teen conspiracy vibe. There you go, using Slater properly. <laughs> That's who he starts to remind me of now, like, like almost, you know, like a maniac, like... <laughs> Like no, but like those I laugh guys. I know what you mean. You know, like those those guys were like, oh, the, the Illuminati, <laughs> like the truth. Not like to poke fun too much, but like there's no, a I certain don't. level, you know, of conspiracy theorist where it's like, bro, like take a chill pill. Like you're not charismatic enough to start a cult. <laughs> but maybe Christian Slater is. I don't know. <laughs> but it's just scary the level of influence absolutely <laughs> that this kid has um other stuff that i wrote down that i wanted to talk about i know we were just laughing and so i don't want to you know it's weird to pivot gears here but like that suicide thing was a little intense like i've talked about it on the show yeah. before like i'm someone who has had a friend commit suicide and it's obviously really tough so that was like a a little bit of a brutal scene. I was like, when he was on the phone saying that shit to him, I'm like, no, please, no. Yeah. But I, you can't, you can't also can't blame a high school kid for having the answers. No. What's a little messed up is how he goes on the air later after the kid has committed suicide and says, like, maybe not in these words exactly, that, like, it might be the answer, right? Like, yeah, that and was I was really, that, I, I that's, that's why I bring it up. Like, yeah. that to me was like... That was all oh, right. Was really this director weird. slash screenwriter, like that's. I get it. Like you could say that, but don't have a character say that like to a mass audience. You know, like he's already an influencer. You hear about some kid did something stupid, something desperate. What possessed him? How could he do such a terrible thing? Well, come here. It's really quite simple, actually. Consider the life of a teenager. Huh? You have parents and teachers telling you what to do. You have movies, magazines, and TV telling you what to do. But you know what you have to do. Huh? Your job, your purpose is to get accepted, get a cute girlfriend, to think up something great to do for the rest of your life. What if you're confused and can't imagine a career? What if you're funny looking and you can't get a girlfriend? You see, no one wants to hear it. But the terrible secret is that being young is sometimes less fun than being dead. This is great. He's making it worse. Suicide is wrong. But the interesting thing about it is how uncomplicated it seems. You know, there, there you are. You got all these problems swarming around in your brain. And here is one simple... One incredibly simple solution. I'm just surprised it doesn't happen every day around here. Now, now, they're going to say I said offing yourself is simple. But no, 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 no. It's not simple. It's like everything else, you have to read the fine print. For instance, assuming that there is a heaven, who would ever want to go there? You know? I mean, think about it. It's cool, you know, you're sitting there up on this cloud. It's nice. You know, it's quiet. There's no 
There's no teachers. There's no parents. But guess what? There's nothing to do. It's fucking boring. Another thing to remember about suicide is <laughs> it is not a pretty picture. And first of all, you shit your shorts, you know? So there you are, dead. People are weeping over you, crying. Girls you never spoke to are saying, why, why, why? <laughs> and you have a load in your shorts. That's the way I see it. Sue me. Now, they're saying I, I shouldn't think stuff like this. You know, they're saying something is wrong with me, that I should be ashamed. Well, I'm, I'm sick of being ashamed. May aren't you? Sick to death. I don't mind being dejected and rejected, but I'm not going to be ashamed about it. Hallelujah. At least pain is real. You look around and you see nothing is real, but at least pain is real. You know, even the show isn't real. This isn't me. I'm using a voice disguiser. I'm a phony fuck just like my dad. Just like anybody. You see, the real me is just as worried as the rest of you. They say I'm disturbed. Of course I'm disturbed. I mean, we're all disturbed, and if we're not, why not? I mean, doesn't this blend of blindness and blandness want to make you do something crazy? Then why not do something crazy? It makes a hell of a lot more sense than blowing your fucking brains out. You know, go nuts, go crazy, get creative. You got problems, you just chuck them, nuke them. They think you're moody, make them think you're crazy. Make them think you might snap. They think you got attitude, you show them some real attitude. Ah, I mean, go nuts, get crazy. Hey, no more Mr. Nice Guy. Ah! That to me did not add anything to the movie and it just made it darker mm-hmm. like they kind of try to make it like oh that's the catalyst while we're why we're going after him right but there's so much other shit happening yeah you didn't you didn't need to like have a teenage suicide in this to make it even darker or if you did you didn't need uh, christian slater's character to double down on his attitude yeah because it looks like he's like oh my god maybe my words he's about to call it a day and then he's like you know what fuck this yeah and like that, and that was i was a little bit turned off by that because it's like this is like a real problem and i get it i'm not saying oh he should have been able to have the words to help him out there because again he's a teenage guy he's in a very tough position too because he's not a he's not a like a licensed therapist or anything so he doesn't exactly know all the time what he's talking about uh but he also gets pranked right so like yeah yeah he gets a letter that that says like there's my brother is molesting me and he calls these people up and they're teenage girls that are just laughing at him about it so it's very hard for him as a on-air personality to kind of gauge the room really and after the kid does kill himself he gets a call about a boy who's been experienced gay bashing and he does kind of handle that a little better right he starts to sort of turn into mark on the air while he's talking to that kid and that's that's what he should have done yeah like mark should have came out more like imagine somebody I know you don't do call-ins. That would be interesting. I would, that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be really cool. But imagine someone came to you with like serious advice while you were in like opening of third times a charm yeah. mode. Like you, you shouldn't answer them. And right. Like still in that, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, like that would even happen back when I would listen very briefly, albeit to guys like Stern and stuff. Like he'd be on a roll, like bashing the FCC and like talking about you know comedy and things like that and then someone would call in and be like yeah I'm I'm suicidal and he'd have to like switch gears but the difference is you know he was like a 40 year old man with a lot of training and how to react and stuff and Mark is a 
eighteen year old idiot. And guys like Stern and stuff, like they have like call screeners. So that they, that as well. They get someone like it's that. They're probably like, oh, this is you know they probably he's prepared and he's yeah. been prepared. I wouldn't be surprised if all the radio stations have like a, like a protocol. Like if that happens, like you mm-hmm. transfer them to this person and right and like get you know make sure that you don't transfer them directly to like an actual suicide prevention hotline that they're you know. That they could actually go on the air or something, but yeah. you know that's the other thing is like he's a one man show, so like he can only do as much as he can. Yeah, it's just like a, it was a tough scene. It's just for me personally to watch, but it was also like like you said, what pissed me off was the doubling down. Like yeah. that that was unnecessary. Yeah, we already get like, like you know, like we already get the gist of this film, and and I think the kids listening get it too. Right. And that if he had sort of like who and that raises a question, like who really is this boy? Like because at the, the, you know, skipping way ahead to the very end of the movie, the last lines of the movie, he actually takes his glasses off. Right. So he's gone from Mark to Harry and he utters the, the lines talk hard. Right. So he ends the movie as Harry. Is that his real persona? Is it finally surfaced? You know, it's it's difficult to tell. But I do give I want to give the movie credit. And this is something it could have done more is actually tackled more issues like they skip over a lot of stuff like they like the suicide thing. Right. Yeah. Like they kind of they, they kind of skip over it as much as they deal with it. But the, definitely the teen pregnancy stuff, they definitely skip over all of that kind of thing. They could have gone more and more into those sorts of things and been more responsible about it. Yeah, and the one, like you said, that they kind of do well with is the gay bashing. Yeah. It, it's I don't want to say it's funny, but it's interesting that you mentioned, again, we're plugging so much stuff, and I promise you guys it's not the purpose of this. <laughs> no. But uh, you mentioned the Boogie Nights uh, rewatch that Kyle and I recently did. Mm-hmm. Then Kyle asked on air, it might have been off air. No, it was, it was yeah, on air. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, did this, like, it's uh, this is confusing to me. This, did this stuff actually happen? Yeah. Um, and... And I said, look, I was never a witness to it. I've read that it happened, but it's, here's another movie that I've watched, you know, this Recently, month or, yeah. you know, within the last couple of weeks, and it's almost a similar, if not the and same, both, incident. And both events take place within 10 years of each other, right? The Boogie Nights event yeah. is the beginning of the 80s. This is, like, the end of the 80s, so it's still an issue. And it's scary to think, like, these things happened. Yeah, and... And it is, oh man, like, I don't, it is confusing, too, because, like, even the guy says, you know, the kids that are making fun of him, bashing him, pranking him, tricking him, are also, like, one of them is actually engaging with him, right? Like, in Boogie Nights, like, the guy, like, yeah. they will actually, like, partake Absolutely. first, which makes it even more sort of confusing as to, like, what their motives are and everything. So, on top of, like, the physical harm, there's, like, drastic you know, psychological harm too. Just like, what is going on? Yeah, it, it's definitely something that, I mean, I'm not an expert on, but it's, like I said, like, like that's one of the scenarios that the film handles better in terms of like, yeah, the talking. kid, as far as I, you know, the kid calling actually seems to put Mark more in his place, right? At one point where, not in his place per se, but like keep him on track I and mean, keep him keep him opening up and keeping him less extreme in that moment right i don't know it just feels like as the kid keeps opening up and opening up mark is like also sort of shedding his facade yeah okay so if you're going to not not to keep nitpicking this no but if you're going to show that kind of transformation i think it was like a little bit of a cheap shot to pick the one that he 
gets more jaded on as suicide, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, that's like... Oh, definitely. Let me hit you. Like, like someone's going to die, you know? <laughs> and that's the one that he's going to be, like, really jaded on. Not to, like, compare yeah. all these tragedies, but... No, but you would think, like, he would at least feel, like, more responsible for it than he ends up feeling. <laughs> yeah. Even, like... Uh, not that he is. Not that he's to blame because, like, this guy wrote him out of the blue. You know, like I said, like, it's a tough situation for everybody. A little advice, like, he can actually call screen. He should, And he does it with some. He should read all the envelopes first. <laughs> yeah. And then he could maybe, like, thoughtfully think of his response. Or he could not call them back. <laughs> okay, yeah. I don't know. I'm well, just no, saying, like, you're right. That's a very dangerous idea. Like, Yeah, just... that's the thing, though, too. It's like, this movie is... It exists in a different era. It's of a different time. Like, this won't ever be these moments won't ever be replicated in the society we live in now or anything so it's really kind of like at times a little maybe surreal to to watch that like this is the way things actually were like i would sit in my room just listening to the radio like wfmu or something you know because it was like college talk radio with some cool music and things and like we see scenes of kids riding their bike around a radio in their driveway there is just nothing else to do except your homework like or watch tv and now you have the great opportunity to listen to podcasts (laughs) which this movie predicted (laughs) at the very end (laughs) yeah yeah i mean are there any other scenes you want to talk about before we get to the ending uh, big finale, see. I guess. Paige blows up the kitchen. Yeah, we mentioned that, I guess. Shep Shepard sucks as a fucking <laughs> reporter. <laughs> I hated him. Um, oh, when they have like the town hall meeting and Paige shows up with like her busted face and everything and starts like yelling about like no one listens and this and that. I thought that that was interesting. That was powerful. Um, yeah. Let's see. I'm just looking over my notes real quick. Uh, no, you know we could we could keep we could keep going if you want. I mean, the whole movie is just like insane. Yeah, and, and the big finale ending, which is stuff that we've alluded to, like obviously the school is kind of madness. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's um, on the edge. People are getting expelled at, at oh, a higher rate. This I wanted to bring up. There's, like, the one guy who's, like, the main security guard who's, like, going around taking all the tapes out of the thing. Oh, and like yeah, Calling yeah, everybody yeah. to the office and stuff. I wasn't sure if he was, like, a vice principal. or He's clearly the principal's enforcer. Okay. We actually had a really cool, like, security guard at our high school oh, really? who would, like, sort of walk around the area, like, that, make sure there was, you know. It was cool. It was a female, actually. Oh, it was, was a cool. woman. Yeah, she was really cool. Her name was Liz. She was kind of, like... In her off hours, she was, like, more of, like, a biker chick kind of oh, person. Cool. It was, yeah, and she would, like, <laughs> hang out with... The, she was, like, really cool with the students, which was really sort of, um, you know, that made you feel, like, safe, kind wow. of. That, like, I don't know. But, like, I went back to my high school a few years later at Ramapo to film something, and they had, like... A, a damn like now they have like a security desk with like an officer and like wow. other shit in the hall like you can't not go there and wow. like walk around yeah it's crazy the the security at that high school now but that reminded me of Liz walking around like you know making sure everyone wasn't late for class or whatever <laughs> I mean, she was I, I never hope your a... school wasn't in that much of an anarchy uh, situation as no as this you, school in the film you know what was um a thing though though a lot of smoking in this right a lot of cigarettes yeah. and stuff they 
there was actually a designated smoking area at our high school. Oh, interesting. Which, you know, never going to find that again. <laughs> um, that was another note I saw in, like, the production notes, that Christian Slater, who was not a smoker, had to smoke so many cigarettes in the film that he was, like, almost constantly nauseous. He became a smoker. <laughs> Maybe. That's but... what happened. <laughs> he was, I know he was, like, very sick during the entire production, because, I, I don't know, I guess it just wasn't for him. Who knows? All right. <laughs> oh, there's the awkward topless scene it's pretty late into the film so i wasn't expecting to see breasts so like samantha mathis comes over mark's house to like see all of his pirate radio gear and he's shirtless because he's going on a rant and stuff and his parents almost catch him and she kind of like saves him right she's like what's all this noise in here are you a pirate radio disc jockey and she's like no it was just me sorry to bother you Um, a girl in here and then he goes in the backyard and she takes her top off and they're sort of circling each other (laughs) topless just looking at each other yeah yeah i rewound because i'm like did something happen that I just, like, wasn't paying attention and I missed. And I'm like, nope, nope. And then... No, no. Why did she walk away? I was actually going to ask you that. So that was the moment when the FCC traced his phone number. And it turns out that he put the, like, one end of the receiver in his neighbor's shed. And so the cops were, like, down the block getting the phone receiver and... The sirens go off, and she's like, oh, shit, and they drop to the ground. Oh, okay. And she, like, puts her sweater on. But then she gets on top of him and is like, do you really wear a cock ring? And tries to take (laughs) his dick out and everything. And he's like, whoa, 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 chill out. Like, too far. And she. And she does. To her credit, she chills out. And then the next day at school, (laughs) they, like, see each other across the quad and, like, sort of drift towards each other in, like, this daydream and take forever to like peck each other on the lips like they do their first kiss the next day at school i was just so confused about what i was watching i was so i was like this movie's fucking crazy it's interesting i didn't think we also needed to see her topless oh no doubt no that is only for the line for christian slater to say you're fearless (laughs) he's like you're fearless you're you're wonderful you're beautiful it's like i can't be like you Uh. and it's like man she's the way he is off the air you know, like he yeah. can't be that way. He needs the curtain. I think he's afraid of that at the beginning and then ends up admiring it. Yeah, she changes him in like the fastest time. <laughs> like, I wish she found out like in the first act and like actually became sort of more of like a cohort throughout the movie and like you could see her changing him a little more like her influence yeah. for him because like he talks a lot of shit like that's all he does he's all like be yourself say what you want do you and everything and like he's the last person that can actually do Absolutely. that so it would have been cool if she was around a little more because as soon as she shows up he really starts coming out of his shell yeah yeah that's why like you said there's a weird pacing though in this film yeah i guess we'll just talk about the ending yeah um, we're there Basically, you know, the principal is on a warpath against the kids. <laughs> the scam, like, essentially gets exposed because of, like, his radio tactics. But then the students also help, too. They, like, hi- hijack the PA system. Oh, my God. That was hilarious. <laughs> they are made... kind of making, like, beats also out of, like, yeah, they <laughs> made of, like, like confessions. Um, it was, like, music concrete, you know, where they took, like, her voice and made a beat out of it and, like, scratching it and stuff. Yeah. Really overproduced to the level like I don't know how little how these kids did that in the 80s but it was an interesting concept like they're definitely pranking the principal she's pissed I, uh, I don't understand like okay so they have like a staff meeting or like a PTA meeting yeah 
and Christian Slater's the only Kid student that shows up at the all parent teacher meeting. Hello, and then make him like such an obvious suspect. Then he goes home and he's like, "Listen to what I heard at the PTA meeting." He's like, and he gets home like a half hour before his parents somehow. Yeah, that whole thing was crazy. <laughs> Why <laughs> did he Paige, have to be there? Well, so that he could get like I maybe, get that, but like <laughs> maybe his dad dragged him there, you know, because his dad is like the head of it all or whatever. I get that's but, your that's your only no, logical explanation that his dad was like, "I don't want you out of my sight." I I do like how his dad at the end sort of comes through for him though him and ellen green get like the files and stuff and yeah. expose the the principal and the principal's exposed while a manhunt by the fcc <laughs> a mobile manhunt. yeah they, they brought in so for many Mark. trucks to try to find him there's helicopters and there's like 10 trucks <laughs> that's right the chopper yeah and, uh... and uh so his last show is what you said they they take that jeep wrangler and he invents like <laughs> some technology to do this all remote. Like, I'm sure... Every, I was trying... I was talking... When I was watching it with my friend, we were like, how could this be possible? And she's like, well, maybe he's got, like, a generator <laughs> on there we're not seeing, or he's got it somehow, like, hooked up to the engine. Because he... Where's the electricity? Where's he plugged in? <laughs> and, <laughs> what I the guess fuck? Now, now that we're talking about it, this is, like, the flaws of him not having the license, because he doesn't have a car the entire time, and he's still like, this is... You know, my mom said I could use this, like, from time to time. Because, like, they couldn't make it her car because it wouldn't have the technology in it. I guess, but that, I mean, that's another thing that could have been rectified earlier if she's like, uh, I've got a car, I could drive you around and shit, and then at the end of the movie, he, like, you know, makeshifts her car into, like, the Mark Mobile or the Hard Hat Harry car <laughs> and everything, and they drive around and stuff. But the Mark Mobile. It's just, oh, it's too bad they couldn't just pull Christian Slater behind the wheel like on a rig or something like there's movie magic ways to get around the actor driving yeah like aside from rewriting the script i'm not I really sound like i am complaining but like i don't want more of this driving around in, in the car <laughs> jail. Jail. hello dad we're going to jail hey, I'm, a I'm in jail i'm in jail i like it here it's nice i like it hi folks seems we have a new listener tonight Mr. Watts of the FCC. My favorite person and yours too, I know. Hi, Arthur. Thanks for coming out. Well, thank you for coming out. Imagine a fucking political hack being in charge of free speech in America. I'll bet Watts was the guy who took names in high school when the teacher was absent. This is the problem with free speech. Would you cut that thing, please? He's the kind of phony in politics who wears a wig. Did you just turn the damn thing off? What's crazy is, like, we could drive around and podcast right now. And, like, we could even broadcast a live podcast Absolutely. in a car right now. So it's not, like, no, it's an not insane idea. No, it's not, like, un feasible, you know? And I'm sure back in the 90s watching it, would be like, that's so fucking cool. <laughs> like, imagine being able to do that. But the movie treats it as, like, this is just another thing, like, Mark nonchalantly, like, is capable of, do, like, his superpowers. And his final show, he shows up at, like, the fields where they're all listening that was to cool. him. And he's, yeah. like, again, leading his revolution. Wait, doesn't he say, though, he's, like, this has gotten out of hand, like, several times. Yeah. <laughs> he's, like, this is way too many well, people. Well, that, it's funny, because he says those things, and then he feeds into it more. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's what the if this is what the filmmaker's getting at, but looking at it through my lens, is that something the movie might be trying to say to me is that at that age, we are 
that conflicted like we are two people like sometimes like I mean, we that's can fair. feed into multiple sort of urges and personalities and things until we find our true self that's a fair interpretation like teenage angst is kind of like that multiple personality yeah. disorder you're almost. figuring out who you are it, like the movie didn't give that tone no it but, doesn't the movie's not trying to say that i don't but there I don't is know. like an argument for it and then it ends you could of, write a paper about it probably <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then in the end he gets arrested and it kind of just ends there <laughs> Everyone listen up! It's not over yet, it's just the beginning! But it's up to you! I'm calling for every kid to seize the air! Steal it! It belongs to you! Speak out! They can't stop you! Find your voice and use it! Keep this thing going! Pick a name, go on the air! It's your life! Take charge of it! Do it! Try it! Try anything! Fill your guts out! Say shit and fuck a million times if you want to! But you decide! Just fill the air! Steal it! Keep the air alive! Behind you all the way, Harry! You talk to me, man. You really talk to me. Believe in you, Harry. Stay tough, man. You did great. Just forget it, man. We believe in you, Harry. Harry! We're with you, man. We're with you all the way. Talk hard. Yeah, the climax. And the principal's in trouble, clearly. So it's not like. But, like, it is a very sort of abrupt ending. Even my friend was like, wait, what? That's the yeah. end? Because he's <laughs> It wasn't in the even cheap... like a, another movie we did. Uh, what's the Cusack one? Money for Nothing. Mm-hmm. He was like, yeah, and I wouldn't have gotten away with it, you know. That was such a, like, a Scooby-Doo, like, <laughs> yeah. we're just going to cut this, like, end, like, cut the black and credits. Like, okay, so, like, he drives, they drive the radio jeep into the middle of the field where all the kids are, and Mark is making his final speech without his voice modulator and in person. Yeah. So, like, everyone can see, so now he's on the mountain top, Like, he's, you know, preaching, you know, like, for serious, like, this is his his moment and um he's basically just saying like hang in there like it's gonna, like be yourself it's gonna get better like i i believe in his message but like oh man like i don't i don't know like for an ending it's just very weird and abrupt because they grab him they throw him in the back of a truck and they drive away and that's it like he's he's going to prison I guess. I guess, like, because he exposed a scandal, he's probably going to get a slap on the wrist. He's under 18, you know. It's a federal charge, though. You know, like, there's, uh, I'm sure he'll get probation of some kind, but it's going to yeah, be... Yeah, especially again, home. since he was exposing the principal and his dad's kind of connected. And I don't know why, I'm just thinking of, like, hackers' rules, but, like, in the beginning of that movie, the kid, like got convicted of a hacker crime and he couldn't touch a telephone or a computer for like <laughs> 10 years until like his 18th birthday or something and he was like 10 when he did the crime wow. or something hackers is amazing that's a high school <laughs> movie I, I gotta get in on that spent a lot of time in high school too but this felt like we should have seen if not a a verdict like a little bit of like writing at the end that you get from high school movies sometimes yeah. like mark was arrested but let like only got probation he couldn't touch a radio for 10 years yeah, like that would kind of make more 
sense and even with the tone of it you know i don't know and i think even oh. she got arrested or she was being led yeah she's accomplice i don't feel bad for her because she was very much an accomplice. she's an enabler yeah, like, she was. i feel like when he was ready to call it a day she pushed him to keep going <laughs> she's yeah, a very bad influence <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of a pump up the oh, volume and then it ends with the birth of podcasting where we get like all of oh, the yeah. little the voices hi everybody this is Amy at 97FM in Springfield, and my show is Radioactive. Can anyone out there hear me? Sick of silence, let it out. This is Kate. Ethan from I'm LA, 16, and I'm here to but stop I'm not violence. sweet. Are you if running I'm the future, streets? Call the real this runaway hotline. KCAT Los Gatos, California. This is I am. Radio are you? Hey, this is no protection. I'm from New Jersey. Hi, you're on the air. Turn on the truth. It's like he, essentially, instead of like that little script thing you were saying, essentially like, the coda to the film is that he invented a movement. You yeah. Know, which was, you hear all these sign-ons from all these different kids. Yeah. And it, see, like that's kind of like their attempted predictive future. And it is true. It's just that most podcasts are about movies or wrestling or oh. murder. <laughs> you know, I'm sure there's some like, you know, I don't listen to it, but like the beginning of Mark Marin's show once or twice I've heard. And like he goes on rants and stuff. But, yeah. Okay, but it fair, would but be. Not a kid. Oh, you know who he reminds me of in this movie? Dennis Miller. Oh, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. So, so like, if like, Dennis Miller had a podcast, it was like... Dennis Miller is so... I'm sure Dennis Miller does burp, Let me tell you... Burp, 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 burp. But Dennis Miller is definitely podcast style. That's yeah, funny. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dennis Miller. That's a good one. All right, so let's uh, let's uh, rate this film, then. Okay. What do you um, want to rate it on? Oh, man, what should we rate it on? How many hard-ons? Hard-ons. <laughs> I don't want to see that. <laughs> There's a six-foot penis in this movie <laughs> the kids run across like the the school field with a giant like paper mache yeah, cock there's a wind-up bouncing dick on his dash that is like yeah. the chattering there's teeth also, speaking of wrestling he has a sergeant slaughter toy oh his, yeah so his, uh, they sneak whatever. a lot of dicks into this movie yes a lot of dicks in this film but i don't want to be that no we don't have to be <laughs> um well, what do we think of that? Did you want a song today? Well, I was going to ask. Uh, I have. After we rated it. If, oh, okay. If we'll do it till after we rate it. Okay. If you had a gift for us. And if not, that's okay. No, but, yeah. You know, I, I, uh... I, I kind of do. Yes, I do. <laughs> I, I have a cover song for us today. Okay, okay. But let's see. What could we rate this? How about bootleg cassette tapes? How many of Mark's bootleg cassettes? Sure. Cassette tapes. I mean. Why? There's no obvious one on this one. How many red letters? To Mark, how many of those sultry letters <laughs> from the Eat Me, Beat Me lady? <laughs> sure, red letters. Okay, okay. How many red letters are you giving? Pump up the volume. So, I think I'll give it three. And that might seem kind of high, but I feel like style beats out content here along the way. Like, I really like everything up until the suicide stuff right and how that's handled yeah but then once that's quote-unquote dealt with the movie kind of gets back on track for the rest of the movie and you know i think i come to realize i'm not supposed to be on mark's side 100 percent. and the movie does a good job of making me sort of conflicted about him and you know should i like him and what's going on and by the end uh i kind of feel like he's you know, gets what he deserves a little bit. Like, you know, he's got to face the consequences of his actions. Free speech, you know, it's free to speak, but, you know, there are consequences to everything. Like, 
actions, speaking, and all that kind of thing. So I think he learned a very hard lesson today. <laughs> um, so a three, a three. Yeah, I uh, I agree with your sentiment there. I was also going to give it a three, uh, a three red letters. You <laughs> might get three in the film. I'm not sure. Oh, that would be great. It'd be fit perfect. Um, and you're the man of threes. That's right. <laughs> I, I am. Sometimes I even forget myself. <laughs> I, I missed opportunity because you were on my episode 33. Oh, no and kidding. I, and I didn't say anything because I didn't realize it. Today. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> Next time on your 333rd yeah, episode. Third episode. But uh, no, same reasons. Like, it's not a bad film. I would definitely, if you can see it, suggest seeing it. It's just a little bit different, I guess, and not in like the, a good way necessarily or not in like a bad way. It's just... It's, uh, it's super angsty. It's not going to make you feel good. No, it's a time capsule. Yeah. It's a Hollywood student film. That's how I also feel about it, too. Like, it is, it is yeah, not, a, no, it's not I conventional. I see that. I'm not giving it a two because, it really, it's not a bad movie. But I'm not giving it a four or anything like that or anything higher because, like you said, it is a time capsule, but it's also at least tries to tackle serious issues. Mm-hmm. You know? It doesn't always yeah. handle them right. Right. But it's not like, it's not like a farce. I'm not a big fan right. of the title, Pump Up the Volume. Um, I feel okay. like it's more of a music film. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. I'm getting more like beats and vibes. Pump up the volume, yeah. pump up the volume, pump up <laughs> the volume. That was in my head dance, a lot. Dance. And that really was not, no. that, that song would not fit in. Not at all. the soundtrack. So, solid three. Nice. Now, you know, speaking of music, you, yeah. you alluded that you might have had another gift for us. We're, we're yeah. enjoying your gifts. Yeah. So, this is my fourth appearance uh, right? I think it's fourth appearance. Fourth, but third, I but guess. But this will be third song. I mean, you've appeared other times, but in terms yes, of, like, as a featured sorry. guest. Yes. Featured guest, yes. Um, You're even on... And you, I want to... You called me on the Mighty Ducks episode. That's I right. Stealing your I love I love making cameos like that. It's so much fun. I love how you work that into your show. So, I don't have, like, a ton of songs left to share, but... You know, in this movie, I think I discovered this band through this movie, The Descendants. Oh, are, yeah. Are you aware of The Descendants at all? So, like, my five dads fucking loved The Descendants, like, through and through. We were very influenced by them, even though their songs are much longer than ours. <laughs> like, we were very much into the, the short song. But, like, we would cover some of their songs. So, like, we've covered, like, Kabuki Girl and a few other ones. And, uh,. Not the Wiener Schnitzel, which is the song in this movie. You know, the Welcome to the Wiener Schnitzel. Can I take your order, please? Oh, okay, yeah. That's a descendant song. Gotcha. But we... I'm somewhat <laughs> familiar with them. I've heard one or two songs here or there. I know they're very influential to people, but... Yeah, yeah. Um, they're, they're pretty great. And they had a song, might have been the shortest song in the world, that we covered. And it's just a song called All. And so I figured, you know, since I know I'm going to be back and I wanted to save one or two of the other songs for another time and I have some instrumentals that we did and stuff, but this is one of the only cover songs I think we recorded mm. that I could find right now. So I thought I'd share this with, with awesome. the listeners. So this is a song called All Can't wait to listen. by The Descendants. Oh! That's it? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's all. That's all. One more time. Uh, One more time. One more time. If you guys missed. Okay. All. Nice. So, I wanted you know. to deep dive into that song. Unfortunately, I couldn't play all of it, right? I couldn't <laughs> play all of it for like legal reasons. So, <laughs> I'll play half. No. So, wow. So, they really 
So that was a, yeah, so you could go on YouTube. If you listen to the YouTube version's six seconds, I think our version's three seconds. So you sh- even shortened a song that was six seconds. <laughs> yeah, I think so. That's great. I told you the first time, like, we were trying to really just boil the song down to its essence, like, how short can you make it? And we got a little jealous with the Descendants, so. So, so far we've had My Five Dads, three songs, Chinese Food. Someone Ate the Baby, which wasn't a cover, but it's a Shel Silverstein Shel Silverstein poem lyrics. Yeah. And then this is a cover, our first yeah. uh, My Five Dads true cover. Yeah. All. Yeah. Would it be cool if you shared the lyrics with us on Twitter, maybe, after the episode post? The, the lyrics to that song? Yeah, the lyrics. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll I think, text I think you. people will be very interested in that. <laughs> I'll text you after. <laughs> I definitely want to hear more of them, because it seems like they're very avant-garde in a way they're super smart like that's another thing i came to find out afterwards like another band i listened to a lot was bad religion and there's like lawyers and professors and scientists in that band and really shit. And, like yeah like the lead singer went to harvard and oh, had, like a harvard that. law degree and, and that was like in the 80s and 90s wow. and so, so like we we're kind of opened our eyes to be like oh wait we don't have to like also get bad grades and be assholes to be punks <laughs> like we could maintain the spirit but also sort of you know do good as well and be positive i don't know that we, we always thought all was like as punk as it got though pretty much so you know if you, if you ever were at one of our shows and we played that we hope you got the joke so did you like lead up to it yeah so like between every song we'd be like okay this is this song this is this song so i'd be like you know <laughs> okay so it wasn't just all like you like set it up played it yeah and now for our next song it'd be like one two three yeah. oh <laughs> and then cool. now what for our your, next song <laughs> what was your part in all I don't know if you could hear it clearly, but I would I would count it off one, two, okay. three, and then we do all, and I would just I would hit the bass drum and the and the cymbals at the same time. <laughs> okay. So it'd be like. Psh. That's cool. I definitely heard cymbals in there, so I was just curious. <laughs> so we're all involved. <laughs> all, all in. Well, thank you, Mike, so much for coming on and sharing all with us, sharing thank this you. film with me because again you suggested it. Well, I guess I'll say this: Are you? Happy, disappointed in Pump Up the Volume? Because, like you said, it's a movie you were very eager to see again. Mm-hmm. Like, um, what is your one prevailing thought of like what you thought it was going to be uh-huh. and what it ended up being on this watch? Okay, so it's not nearly as cool as it thinks it is anymore. Like, <laughs> That's I a used, great way to put it. That I used to think this movie it. was cool as shit. Like, <laughs> I used to think Christian Slater had it made, like, no friends, talking to himself in the basement, like, eventually just gets a girlfriend by doing nothing. Like, what? She just likes him because... No, but, like, this movie is not that cool. <laughs> <laughs> It definitely, yeah, it definitely tries to be cooler than it is. And that, even that's that, a great way to put it. There's that moment where his dad's like, son, there has to be some cool kids at that school. <laughs> and I'm just like, well, he ain't one of them. <laughs> very true. Very fair. Really quickly, what sleeping bag are you bringing? Oh, man, this time? Um, whoa, jeez. It's not going to be as fast as you want. <laughs> I want it to be something related to the movie, but you kind of... <laughs> I forgot about this question. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. Um, all right, Brian. So I think I'm going to have to bring the sleeping bag I got at Radio Shack. <laughs> it's an electric one. It heats up, and there's even a little radio inside it, so we could listen to Hard Hat Harry until we fall asleep. <laughs> That's fair. All right. That's fair. Radio Shack... 
what a that's something you'll never be able to explain to like younger kids. Yeah, but you could just walk into a place and buy bomb parts and just whatever <laughs> you needed. It like it's a, they had parts like you. Well, now I guess there's like Amazon you can get kind of. Or yeah, but it was literally like buying like the weirdest fucking parts. Yeah, like I need this like I ha- thing that's inside this I, thing. I'm have I have to build a servo robot by tomorrow. <laughs> It's like, well, here you go. No, because, yeah, I remember, like, you used to be able to bring anything in almost, and they would, like, all right, it's in, like, in the little, like, cabinet. You yep. Know? <laughs> it was almost like an auto parts store, right? Yeah, they're, but they're for, not, it's up. not just for radios, it's people who are not familiar with it. It was no, like, any, anything electronic. Any yeah. electronic whatsoever, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It went the way of the dinosaur. Yep. All right, Mike, again, thanks okay. so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks um, for having me. We promoted a lot in this episode, though. I don't know if you want to just throw in a quick other promotion okay so i think what i want to start promoting now and i'm going to start promoting on my show and all the other shows is that there's going to be a major crossover event happening between three oh, cage yeah. club network oh, podcasts yeah. and uh, so it, right? that's going to be february if i'm not mistaken right so keep your ears peeled absolutely for us peeling around the corner and drifting <laughs> through to the streets of Tokyo because there's going to be a, a major three-part well it's planned so hopefully it gets pulled off too but we're planning a major three-part event between Too Fast Too Forever High School Slumber Party and Third Time's a Charm Absolutely. this February we are going to cover Fast and Furious 3 Tokyo Drift I am currently riding along with the Joes um, it's been it's it's your lap. a blast it's so much fun and that is we, a fun show that's we are going to pick on. up this hitchhiker right here, Brian, what <laughs> for our trip to Tokyo. And One yeah, of our first so. foreign, um, not our first, because Anna and the Apocalypse, I think, was our first foreign high school film. Oh, This will cool. be likely, unless something changes in the schedule, likely our second foreign high school film. Nice. So nice. yeah, we're going to do a big three-part. Yeah. Uh, at that... least three hours. Yeah, not of... quite sure how it's all going to happen, but we'll get our respective segments in there on our own shows and stuff. So I mean, I not, think. not to brag, but I have done one crossover with Wistful Thinking in Greece. Yeah, and it actually that was like, cool. It was very, very fun. And I thought it was like, oh no, I'm going second. What am I going to talk about? Because they're right. But like, they sound great apart, and they sound great together. I yeah, think. I think we can achieve that too. I do too. Yeah, I'm very psyched. I love that movie. You know, and you guys are great. I love your shows, so I think it's all going to work out good. A good synergy. I feel yeah, positive. Soon. I'm feeling good about 2019 with the network in general, but I'm also just planning to branch out as well and do more than movies this year if possible. So just, you know, I appreciate just tune in, stay tuned, check out Third Times of Charm over on cageclub.me. I think it's going to be a very fun year. That's oh, for yeah. sure. And just to put a bow on that uh, Tokyo Drift three-way, I guess. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That'll be, like, I think around the Valentine's Day week. Yeah. A little romance there. Yeah, yeah. And that's going to be, again, super fun. I'm not... I forgot the order. I think it goes too fast, then you, and then me. Okay. And it's all, like, in that same week. Yeah. And it, so it's I think like, it might be three and four days, even. Right. Like so, that. like, theirs comes out, and then three days later, yours comes out, and then two days later, mine will come out. Yeah. And it's going to be fun, and we're going to, you know, have just... <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. I, I mean, look, a little teaser. I'm going to talk about my trip to Japan. So, Ooh. if you're interested at all about that, Ooh, fun. I mean, I, I know Joe too's been to Japan, so a lot of crazy talk. So, thanks again for coming on, and we'll have you obviously again here to give us more my five dad gifts and whatever yes. other gifts you might come up with. Absolutely. Maybe, maybe 
the DJ Mikester oh, gift yeah. after well, the Five Dad run goes. I did sign up for Juice, and that film does have a DJ battle in it, so <laughs> I might have to, you know what I'm saying, just dust off the old wax and put a routine together. I don't know. That'll be fun. <laughs> All right, thanks, Mike. You're welcome. Big thanks to Mike Manzi for talking hard with me. If you've gotten this far, I don't think you need any more network plugs, trust me. We spent a lot of the show name-dropping all the great programming on cageclub.me. By the way, that's cageclub.me. <laughs> wow, didn't realize how long this one went today, but whatever. We had fun. I hope you did, too. I had an awesome time talking with Mike. All right, over the last couple of months, it has been very difficult for me to introduce this man without using World Wrestling Federation champion Hulk Hogan here at WrestleMania 4 this afternoon. You've got the opportunity to change that. Oh, yeah, it's been hard to live with, man. Fee-fi-fo-fum-andre. I apologize for my sick voice while doing this. But back on January 2nd, we lost one of the greats, Mean Gene Okerlund. Now, I know most of you aren't wrestling fans out there, but I'm sure a good number of you are familiar with Mean Gene. Maybe my name, maybe my face, maybe by voice, but certainly by the legacy that he left. He pretty much defined what it was to be a wrestling announcer, and an overall interviewer, really. A lot of people like to put down wrestling, but Mean Gene's style has transcended sports entertainment. Another time I'll discuss how influential wrestling and really the entertainment and the presentation part of it is influential in our like modern culture today, but I don't want to distract from what we're doing here. The bottom line is, Mean Gene was a truly iconic voice, and someone who has influenced me here in High School Slumber Party in all the things I do. I can only hope to let my guests shine the ways Jeans did. Guests like Hulk Hogan, the Macho Man Randy Savage, and Ric Flair. Rest in peace, Mean Gene. Your memory lives on. It's a day that I'm certain my guest at this time will not forget. I'm talking about the former Intercontinental Champion of the World, Macho Man nothing Randy Savage. Nothing means nothing. Nothing means nothing. Nothing means nothing. What do you mean by that? More. I'm talking about all the way to the top, yeah. Unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in. But the cream will rise to the top, oh yeah. Remember to like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Write us a review wherever you get your podcasts. And most importantly, tell a friend. That's the best way you can spread the word of High School Slumber Party. And I didn't forget, you have homework for next week. Your homework is to watch a little film called O. The only person you have to answer to is yourself. You make your own rules. The minute you figure that out, you're free. And I'm very proud to say this publicly. I love him like my own son. Odin and I have been together now for four months. This is what we gotta do. You gotta hang with her. Girls are suckers for guys who pour their hearts out.
watch your girl, bro. I mean, she and Mike spend an awful lot of time together. You'd never give out no love behind my back now, would you? If you want to ask me if I'm cheating on you, go ahead, get some balls and ask. Spent the last few days going over every possible detail, every angle. All we have to do is set this thing in motion and never look back. This is 2001's O, again, just the letter O, the adaptation of Othello, starring Mackay Pfeiffer and Julia Stiles and Josh Hartnett. Uh, my guest next week will be my good friend, John Hardin, who happens to be a Shakespeare expert, so be prepared to get your Shakespearean hats on. I imagine it's a kind of poofy hat of some sort. You know those Shakespeare hats. So big thanks again to Mike for coming on. And since he brought us a gift, a new My Five Dad song, it was a cover of a song called All, I leave you with the original Descendants version of All. So get John Cusack to unblock us on Twitter, and remember, talk hard. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.